Fremont Shopping Center. I will build a great, great wall. This is the Elijah Har Show with former Speaker of the House Elijah Har on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Well, changing gears a little bit from city employees and what they're saying on city emails. Welcome back. Tuesday's afternoon regular guest, Bruce the Theologian. Today we're talking about the New Testament. Yesterday we had a big conversation. Our our snake draft yesterday was your favorite sequels, and I said my favorite sequel was the New Testament. It was the sequel to the Old Testament. I think I won the draft based on that pick. Bruce, tell us how we got the New Testament. Well, you're correct that the New Testament is the sequel to the uh, to the Old Testament, and that kind of may we'll get, we'll get into some of the content of that this morning or this this uh, this afternoon. Um, but um, yeah, I mean it, it's important that Christians understand the origins of the New Testament. Uh, there's a lot of common misconceptions for Christians and the people who aren't Christians that the four, that in the fourth century, that was when the church councils just said this is the 27 books or these are the 27 books of the New Testament. But as we'll find as we discussed uh, today, that um, uh, these books, the the 27 books, were actually established effectively in the in the first century. They weren't fully recognized until the fourth century, but the Christian community were using these books very soon after, the, or during the time of the writings, Paul's writings and the apostles' writings, and very soon after the life of Jesus. Tell us, so, and see, you're already ahead of where I'd be. I always thought the Council of Nicaea was where they came up with the New Testament. You're saying now there's some people that think it was in the third century or fourth century, and you're saying, no, it's in the first. Well, the official recognition is the Council of Carthage in 397. Like Carthage, they, Missouri? Or? Uh, it could be. No. Well, Carthage, no? Carthage is a holy city for the Catholic Church. As, uh, as I don't know if you know about Marion. Oh, we can talk about. Yes, it. I grew up in Joplin. Okay, and um, I have multiple friends who live in Carthage, and they rent out their front yard every year. I can. Yes, yes. I, I was actually it's crazy. I was at Carthage. I was in Carthage a couple of weeks ago for Marion Days. One hundred and twenty thousand Vietnamese I mean, people. And uh, I was there for two days covering some stuff for the Catholic Church. Um, but yeah, uh, Carthage is is holy in that sense. But no, Carthage in um, what is it? Uh, we just had a t- slight deviation. Hmm? What is it about Missouri? Because the Mormon Church huh? treats independence, independence and Gallatin, Missouri, is the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. and and now you've got Carthage as a holy city for the Catholic. What is it about Missouri yeah. that yeah. there's all these? Yeah, at least in the Catholic case, there is a Vietnamese Catholic seminary in Carthage, Missouri. That's been there, I think, since the nineteen. I, I shouldn't say maybe the fifties or sixties, but. Uh, for the past forty something years, they've had Marian days there, um, and that's where the the um, the Vietnamese community on mass in the United States come to Carthage every summer. Um, this, With all their delicious food. Yes, they have a, it's it's a Vietnamese village. They yes, turn, they turn Carthage and they strip the streets down, and it's a it's a massive Vietnamese a Vietnamese festival in Carthage in the beginning of August. And then you've got the assemblies that got headquarters here in Springfield. Yeah, so that's three mm-hmm. three different sects of Christianity. Um, if you count Mormons in there, that that established some sort but of holiness. We? I mean, big deals out of Missouri. All right, there's a show in of itself. Back to back, <laughs> right, back totally. to the fourth century, the Council of Carthage, not Carthage, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Go. Um, so you've got the Car- Council of Carthage, the Council of Hippo, where the 27 books of the New Testament uh, are agreed upon, and even Catholics and Protestants agree on the 27 books of the New Testament. There's a dispute about some of the other books, but they do all agree. On the twenty-seven books. When you say there's a dispute about other books, do you mean Old Testament books or other books that um, some want to include? There's Old Testament issues as well as intertestamental issues between Catholics and Protestants. 
Um, the, the give pro- us a couple the, examples. Um, uh, the, uh, Maccabees is a book that the Catholics recognize. Tobit is a book the Catholics recognize. But these are intertestamental books. Is that uh, what is the Book of Enoch intertestamental? I don't think it is. Okay, I, but Enoch is out there in the the the, the, the 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 dispute between the Catholics and the Protestants are are on what we call the deuterocanonical or apocryphal books, and I think there's seven books. I think that they're disputed, but those are the in the intertestamental period between uh, between the four hundred year period between the, the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. So, but the, but at least on the in the case of the New Testament. These the, the 27 books of the New Testament are agreed on by both Catholics and Protestants. Now, m- by and large, the books are agreed on. I know, and this is one thing you and I have discussed, at least the last few verses in the book of Mark, there's some discussion of whether or not those ber- verses are a part of the book, correct? Correct. The earliest manuscripts in, in Mark, uh, chapter 16, don't have 16, I forget the verses, but it's the end of Mark, basically, where it talks about handling vipers. Those are not in the earliest manuscripts. Are there any other books of the 27 that have debated passages? Historically, there have been. The book of, uh, the book of James is a book that um, uh, Martin Luther, uh, during the Reformation, did not want in the canon. So he wanted to take it out what, yes, because a, a thousand his, years after the... Yes. Heaven forbid we have a list of things we should do and not do. <laughs> Joelle's a big... She, I she, love she James. She defaults to legalism, oh, so... Yeah. What? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, in, in Luther's case, his dispute with the Catholic Church, um, he felt that the, um, the book of James um, conflicted with his, his understanding of, um, of uh, justification by grace alone. So that's why uh, uh, Luther uh, called it the epistle of straw. So he wanted it removed, but it, 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 he wasn't successful in having it removed, but it, it was a disputed book. Second Peter's been a disputed book. There are others, but um, by the end, effectively by the end of the first century, 22 of the 27 books uh, of the New Testament are fully understood and, and, and recognized by the Christian community. By the you end have, of the first century. By the end of the first century. And then into the second century, you have Irenaeus quoting 22 of the 27 books, Clement of Alexandria quoting 22 of the 27. Before the, them, you have Justin Martyr. Uh, and, you know, you got Irenaeus is in, is in uh, Lyon, France, and uh, um, you've got um, Clement in Alexandria in Africa. So it shows even the wide geography. They're recognizing these 22 books even at the end of the, end of the second century. Uh, question. What are the five that they're not quoting at the end of the first century? Um, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. They, okay. they would be um, revelation was in dispute. Um, I can tell you that the the, the four um, the four gospels, all of Paul's writings, all of those were all recognized in the twenty two of the twenty seven. Um, I think Second Peter. I think Second Peter is in dispute at that time. Revelation is in dispute, and I forget what the other. Gotcha. The other ones are. Well, I was I was curious. I I assume the gospels were 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 already there. Yes. But but I was curious what were the five that were. Yeah. And Ignatius and Polycarp, they, they they even predate or around the time of just, predate Justin Martyr. They're also referencing Paul's epistles, and they're also referencing um, the gospels. And uh, all it, of these yeah. people that you're talking about, this Justin Martyr, and mm-hmm. these are all historians. In the early philosophers, historians, church fathers, depends on how you class them. Okay, but all in different geographical yeah. areas. But even Justin Martyr, Justin Martyr was was using the Gospels, uh, the, the Gospels in conjunction with the Old Testament. So even Justin Martyr was recognizing the, these these new writings are as authoritative as the Old Testament is because they were using in worship together. Okay, so we got to get back to the to the point because I want to eventually get to like why does it how does this impact our daily life. 
you know, the issue of the yeah, I, I would say it it um it lends credibility to Christianity when you when you when you uh, are under the misconception that you know the the the, uh, the church councils in the fourth century magically said, hey, these are these twenty seven books we're going to use. It's it's false to say that, and it, it it and it discredits Christianity because it says Christianity what isn't a continuum from the Old Testament. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have it till the fourth century, then that means you have almost an eight hundred year gap before you have divine revelation ending in um, in the Old Testament and then uh, new revelation coming in the New Testament. Um, but, but we have to understand that the, the Christian community, the early uh, the early Christians, because Christ had come and, and redeemed them, they they were looking for new scriptures in the sense that in the Old Testament you have the Old Covenants, and, and to, to, to go alongside and supplement those covenants, there were historical Christian authoritative writings, uh, inspired scripture. With the coming of Christ, the early Christians said, well, Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament, so with this fulfillment should be historical authoritative writings. So they were, the writings were there from the beginning. The the apostles, you know, they they knew they were writing scripture. Second Peter three sixteen, how Paul says, "I'm writing scripture to you." Mm-hmm. Basically, First um, Timothy five eighteen. Uh, there's all these. I've, I've got a long list of verses, but Second uh, Second Thessalonians three fourteen is where um, uh, uh, Paul says that this is bearing the, the the letters I write to you are bearing the authority of Christ. So the the perception of that a lot of people have is like all these things were written, and then in the fourth century, the, the church fathers said, "Okay, well, these things will be scripture." It's really false because when scripture was being authored, the authors of scripture knew they were authoring scripture. I guess that's the the most important. I mean, thing to say. that is an that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing idea, and you know, it's funny because those believers to, to now believe that you're you're writing, yeah. you're being inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, the, 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 some of the um, um, components of, of of, of scripture being understood as, as authorized scripture it has to have apostolic origin it has to have divine qualities and it has to have uh, corporate reception and the corporate reception we see through the early church fathers um apostolic origin they were written by the apostles with the exception of uh, uh, mark and luke but mark and luke were directly connected and mm-hmm. had friendships with peter and paul so it's all apostolic authority well and you just you think about believers today, like we've all grown up with a Bible mm-hmm. on the countertop our whole lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and often there's days that go by, it's never opened. Now, I don't think this is the case for Bruce, the theologian, <laughs> but it, you know, it, the, um, but to think of like the early Christians not having access to that and being like in the moment, we want more to read. Right. I mean, that's a really uh, challenging thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it reminds us of how privileged we are. We've yes. spoken in weeks past about how people, you know, Tyndale and, and Wycliffe and John Hoos, these people died just because they were translating the scriptures into the common language. Yeah. And here we are all hundreds of years later, and we have a, a complete Old and New Testament, the entire orb of Christianity in one in on your countertop that you have mm-hmm. access to that, that generations of Christians in the past have never had. This is something, MacArthur, the idea of studying your Bible, and what, I, I heard him preach one time in Virginia, and he was mm-hmm. like, you know, it's an ancient book meant to be understood in ancient context. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would say a huge part of his work is, is focused on the Scripture itself and the yeah. study of it. Uh, and if you go to his church, I mean, you've heard him speak, but if you hear someone like MacArthur speak or visit his church there, there's no, there's no show to see. It's open your Bible, yeah. I'm going to preach at you for an hour, we're and getting busy. We're, yeah, we're going to interact. <laughs> I mean, years ago, the uh, Christian, the, the magazine Christianity Today did an article about MacArthur Church, and I think this was back in the 70s or 80s, 
and it was called the Church with 5,000 Missionaries because it's understood there the church were not here for the music, were not here for anything other than studying, and they have music at the church, but we're here to study the scriptures every day, and that be it in the, in the Sunday school, uh, all the activities that go on at a church like uh, MacArthur's Church of Grace Community in, in Los Angeles go, go on during the week, the seminaries there. It's, it's, it's about the Bible, and, and there's, uh, I mean, MacArthur himself, he's preached through the entire New Testament. It took him close to 50 years or 48 years, I think, mm-hmm. to preach through the entire New Testament. But, yeah, there's, um, you know, he's, open your Bible and let's get to it. So what is the time gap between, I know that the, the Bible is not in the same, the books are not in the order in which they were written, but right. am I right that Revelation is the last one that was written? Uh, that's it's still in dispute. In dispute, but. Yeah. Um, um, the, 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 uh, in the Old Testament, it's believed by a lot of scholarship that Chronicles is the last book that was authored of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And interesting, kind of as a segue to that, is Chronicles is a, is a, is a book in many, in many cases of um, genealogies. Matthew starts with the genealogy. Okay, mm-hmm. so what what he's doing, uh, Matthew, Matthew the author is saying this is a continuum of the Old Testament. So we had, you know, the final revelation of the Old Testament was Chronicles. The final, the, the first revelation of the New Testament is the genealogy of, Je- genealogy of Jesus and how important that this is a continuation. Why not then? Why is the Bible not laid out with, if they believe Chronicles is the last, why is that not laid out as the last book of the Old Testament? You'd have to get into so it the, reads a little more. Yeah, you'd have to get into the church councils. Some, some believe that the book of Daniel is actually the, uh, mm-hmm. actually the book of Job. Job. That's what I was taught. Job was the first book yeah. written, and then I was taught First Thessalonians was the first book written in the New Testament. Okay. Okay. So yeah, there's 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 varied thought between and how you date things and how you understand things. But um, yeah, the books of the Bible are not in 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 chronological order, but the the order has obviously been has been established for for hundreds of years. So. But I guess what is the gap between how many years exist between when the last one was written and Chronicles when, and Matthew, when, and when the no, and when the that you know the it was put together in in what in Javar's the, the all 66 books mm, the new testament um or you've got the you, by the end of the first century you've got 22 of the 27 books are in circulation and they're recognized by the uh, by the, well by the end of the second century they're recognized by the early church fathers but they're being used in they're, the first, they're, they're yeah. completed by the end of the first century the books are actually written by the end of the first century mm-hmm. they're fully understood and somewhat recognized in the Christian community by the end of the second century. Okay, So I should say the first century is when they're actually written. The second century is when the Christian community recognized them, and then it officially recognized them in the fourth century at the, at the Council of Carthage. But as we've, as we've said this mm-hmm. morning, it's not just like in the Council of Carthage in the fourth century. There was a bunch of books there, and these old men says, these are the 27 we're going to pick. These had been used. 22 weren't even in dispute for the first 300 years. I guess, the re- and you're right about the credibility conversation, but the for for me, it's like, well, what was what were the practices of the early Christians, and if they had, you know, they had come out of having having access to the earliest of the scripture, mm-hmm. and then because people want to say, oh, well, this, you know, this doesn't apply now, or this was a new thing, but I I feel like. Well, this is part of my baptism conversation, which is different. But um, you're talking to a Presbyterian here, so you know what what they um, you know what what the early Christians were practicing, and first what showed up in Scripture, and how that is is similar. Um, because there isn't much time difference. There isn't too much time difference, but right. that's the advantage: is that because Jesus exactly because Jesus comes to fulfill the Old Testament, and, and those and those early Christians understood 
that Je- Jesus was here to fulfill what we've been reading about for the past thousand plus years. Right. Um, and when Jesus uh, comes and redeems their sins, then the the apostles that Jesus sent out to spread the word um, are speaking with the authority of Jesus himself. And that's where we, the, the other conversation is some people say, well, I like the Bible, but I can't stand Paul. Well, okay, you can say that. But if, but for the Christian, the Christian has to take the entire package because Paul is charged with the authority of Jesus. Why do they have it out for Paul? Um, his views on women and, and oh. relationships and so forth. But I mean, but but or people say I I I, I like kind of like the Bible. I, I, I'm so so on it, but I really like Jesus. Well, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he's the reason for the New Testament. So you can't you can't just say I like Jesus as a moral teacher. As C.S. Lewis used to say, if, if Jesus is just a moral teacher, he was a horrible moral teacher because he lied to everyone and told him he was the son of God. So the argument of Jesus as the moral teacher just falls flat on its face at the first, uh, at the first attempt. Well, let's talk a little Revelation because that's obviously not one of the original 22. Nobody can understand it. It's so complicated. It's very different. In its, I mean, I guess it has a little bit of Daniel, a little bit, of, you know, because it's talking about this end times. Give us your views on Revelation as part of the New Testament. Um, I mean, as you said, it's it's very it's very complex. You have postmillennial, premillennial, amillennial um, understandings of the New Testament, preterism and full preterism. There's all it's, it's very very complicated. Um, uh, John Calvin, one of the one of the uh, um, major players in the Reformation, didn't even write a commentary on Revelation. He felt it was too complex to wow. to put on paper as far as his his feelings about it. Um, but it's it's uh, it's certainly a a, um, a book that divides the Christian community as as how it's to be read. Different cultures read it differently. It's it's read at different eras of the church differently. Um, but yeah, as they say, that's a whole other show. Um, it's it's pretty. It's, <laughs> we it, could do a whole show. Yeah, on that and I I wouldn't feel. Com- I, we'd have to bring in some guests that uh, that um, do have um, a greater understanding of their own position as so and so is a premillennial, so and so is a amillennial and postmillennial. We'd have to have a. Um, We'll just yeah. we'll just get oh, we'll just get him. left behind people here to talk about <laughs> Cameron it. Cameron can come. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, we're running out of time. We got to finish up with two questions. First and most importantly, uh, question of the day every day. Different question of the day on the show. Today's question of the day: Growing up, who was your favorite teacher? Mister Briggs at Cannon Slade, uh, Cannon Slade School in Bolton, England. Mister Briggs was my English teacher. Uh, what grade? Um, it was all through high school. I had him for two or three different years in high school. So I would have been 13 to 15, probably. He was my So literature 16. or English um, grammar, writing? It was, it was primarily literature. I remember we, we read uh, Wuthering Heights. I'm a big fan of the book Wuthering Heights uh-huh. and the movie, the different movies that have come out of Wuthering Heights. And I forget, Lord of the Flies, that, was, that made a big ah, impact yeah. on me. So, yeah, Mr. Briggs yeah, made a big impact on me. And then we usually do, how do people follow you on social media? But you're not really a social media guy. So I feel like we need a backup question, which is like, what's your favorite commentary to read of the Bible? Because we're talking about that off air. (laughs) Commentary. Yeah, there's, uh, I'd mentioned that there's several great um, study Bibles out there. The the ESV study Bible that we've spoken about before, and I know you've got a copy of now. There's the Reformation study Bible. MacArthur's got a good study Bible. I'm not going to say I'm going to agree with every single thing in every one of them, um, because there isn't one study Bible for everyone necessarily. but uh, and then there's there's lots of good commentary sets out there. Um, R.C. Sproul has a great a small commentary set on some of the New Testament books. Uh, MacArthur's commentary series is good for the for the general reader. Um, but the, yeah, there's so much um, 
Uh, there's so much information out there that you can can get a hold of, but I would always recommend people have a, a good study Bible, and there's there's plenty of good uh, exhaustive study Bibles out there. Bruce, thanks so much for joining.